Hey everyone, uh, I'm R.D. again, and this is... I'm Amanda, the young adult intern, R.D.'s slave worker. <laughs> um, yes. Um, well, hello to you if you're listening on the podcast, and if you don't know, which if a lot of you don't, we have a podcast, so this will be up uh, next week sometime, so if you're listening to it... Uh, hello to you, wherever you may be listening to this. And uh, we're in a series all year, well, since last year, uh, called Congruence, and we've looked at a lot of different issues, uh, from faith and work to anxiety, and tonight we're talking about relationships. And so uh, the very exciting title of the talk is 10 Principles for Healthy Relationships. So, so exciting. really a great title. Uh, but before we just run through, Amanda and I are kind of just going to go back and forth. And so tonight is not going to be a super, if you're looking for a deep dive into a theological foundation of dating and marriage and singleness, this is not that it. is not tonight. Uh, that is a great topic, but this is going to be very practical on the ground, uh, informed by Scripture, informed by the wisdom of Scripture, but living in how you live in the gray when it comes to something like dating, which the Bible talks nothing about, right? And yet the Bible has a lot to say about the people we're supposed to be in pursuing relationships. And so that's kind of the framework for this. Uh, and so my background, um, I have been single. I, ha- I am a guy. I have dated. And now I'm married uh, for just over six years to Emily, uh, who is here. I will make her stand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we have two girls uh, who are four, uh, Maisie and um, Camille, and that is them. So they're twins, in case you're like, they're the same twins. Yes, they are. Uh, and so that, that's us. So I bring a lot of different just things in that way from my perspective, but I didn't want to just be the one talking. I, I usually am, but I thought if it's just a married um, guy who's talking, then you're very limited in what you're hearing, because it's only my perspective. So I asked Amanda if she would want to just help and share from her perspective as well. So you don't get the full spectrum, obviously, of everything that I'd love to have up here, but you get more than just me, which I think will be helpful. So that's me. And I told him to get Stacey Johnson, but he insisted I did. So, but yes, I'm Amanda, and I am single. And (laughs) my background is essentially I've been single for most all of my adult life just to put that framework out there for you. So when he said, I want you to talk about dating, I was like, hmm, no. (laughs) Like, I have nothing to give to that topic, so no thank you. And um, he was like, well, no, you do. You can talk about singleness in relating to people who are dating and people who are married. And so I do have a lot of that background. So, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Um, So we're just going to kind of run through. They'll be on the screen. Uh, Robert, just each kind of main point of, so like hopefully three to four minutes on each one. Uh, And then we're just kind of going to run through them. And hopefully there are a couple tonight that really are helpful to wherever you are. Uh, And if you always have more questions or you want to talk more, then you can grab one of us after uh, as well, uh, after the talk. So uh, Mano's got the first two. Thanks for that. Um, They're kind of random, I will say, about our 10 principles. They don't all build on each other or go together. It's fine. But... Number one. random principles for healthy relationships. And I promise not all mine are about singleness, but this one is actually two people who aren't single, but it is. Be careful how you talk to your single friends. 
Um, so for all the other single folk in the room, especially those that are perpetually single, like myself, you may feel like you have a sticker like on your forehead that says, please give me all of your advice and wisdom on all things dating because I'm desperate. And everyone feels like they need to weigh in. Friends, family, random people at the grocery store who see you don't have a ring on. I'm like, no, thank you. I didn't need to know that. But (laughs) anyway, the most frequent comments I get are something like, and they mean them well, like they're nice, but they're like, I just don't understand why you're still single. Or, wow, like how are you not dating anybody? And yes, that's sort of a compliment. Like, thank you for thinking I'm great and that I should be dating someone. That's sweet. But But if they looked inside my female brain, as twisted as it is, they would see that that kind of triggers a negative thought pattern that turns that how are you still single into, wow, what is wrong with you? (laughs) And just begins a lot of questions because I didn't say this in the beginning. I am single. I would wish to be married. So that's where I'm coming from with that as well. But in my singleness journey, like I have had seasons where I'm really, really content in that and really happy and joyful and do not feel like I'm missing out on anything. And then I have other seasons that are really hard. But sometimes when you get too many comments like that, even in the best seasons, you can start to question your own worth or God's goodness or if you're missing out on something big. And so, yeah, I think people just don't really think about how they do that sometimes. It's, I mean, like a pregnant woman walking up to her, giving her all the advice. So just think twice. Um, But then my roommate, Katie, encouraged me to talk about how to talk to single people instead of just saying how not to. So I would say, first of all, you should listen to them um, and just be ready to talk when they want to talk about it. But also a big thing is don't assume you know how they feel about it because I know a lot of people in my life are single and they love that and they don't want to be married. So like don't assume that it's a negative thing and that they hate it um, and assign that emotion to them. And then I think the biggest thing is, like, don't just try and fix it like we do with anything. Like, if you're grieving and everybody just wants to make it better, it's like, it's not always a thing like that. Like, you don't have to be like, oh, I've got somebody I can set you up with. Have you tried online dating? All those things. So, yeah, just, it's okay. Remember that your single friends are more than just their relationship status, as is everyone. But, um, and then number two, um, the Christian life is all about learning to live with unmet desires. So, This one's big for me, too, and I think for all of us, is that God never promised on this earth that we would have everything we ever wanted and desired. Like, he only promised us himself. And so when you are single, you may want a spouse, and that is your unmet desire. When you're dating, you long to be engaged. Um, When you're married, you might long to start your family. And the question for all of us in those moments is, can you know the goodness of God when you're living in the absence of a deep longing? Um, I wish I could say I thought of that question. I didn't. That was Stacy. <laughs> Once <Yeah>. again, <laughs> she should be here. Um, but the Christian life is really a balance of grieving those absences in this broken world we live in, but also rejoicing in who Jesus is and how he is present with you and how he is still impacting your life. And so... If you don't learn whatever season you're in, if you're looking forward to something or you have a desire and it's not being met, if you're not going to learn now how to let God anchor your heart through that, 
it is going to be hard. You're going to be living out of frustration. You're going to be living out of fear. And you're just going to be living with like a never-ending quest of meeting that on your own. Mm. And so you're really replacing, you know, God with an idol of whatever that is. And then what happens when, let's say, the single person does get a spouse and they don't meet all their wildest dreams and make them 150% happy? You know, you're going to be upset about it. Um, For me, in my singleness, it's been a real season of refining and just the Lord teaching me that he is enough, even in, like, my hardest moments when I'm feeling most lonely. Um, And I know I'll probably have to learn that lesson over and over in life, but at some point, we've got to stop saying, when this happens, I'll be happy and content. Um, I like Psalm 8411. It says, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And so I know early in my Christian walk, I always looked at like, no good thing does he withhold. Well, why is God withholding this from me? Like being married is good. Um, But I really ignored the part that says like, the Lord is a sun and a shield and like a sun being something that helps everything grow and a shield being something that protects. And so now when I look at that verse, I'm thinking like, He's not withholding this. He is in this act. He is causing my growth and he's protecting me. And that's one of the biggest things for me now is just learning to rest in that and lean into him whenever those unmet desires do come up. Yeah, that's good. That's probably the best point of all, of all 10, I think. Because, I mean, everything, and just to piggyback, everything in our culture says your desire, obey it because it's right. Um. I remember walking through a season with a good friend of mine who was same-sex attracted, and he was really wrestling with what the culture said, what some churches say, and with if this is love and I care about it, I'm not hurting anyone, then why can't I be happy? And that's where you have to know a lot about what the Bible teaches about happiness and desire and worldview and the story of the Bible. So you have to be educated in these things, not just, well, you shouldn't be that way. Right, not sufficient to walk people through things. And so I think it's huge. I mean, if to say to someone who's not a Christian, who's 27, you are more than your desires, and you following your heart is not the goal in life, they would look at you like, what on earth is wrong? You're part of one of those Christian things, right, that just represses you, where you can't be who you need to be. Right, and then we just go back to what Jesus says, which is if you want to find your life, then you have to lose your life. And that's the way you find it, which totally flips our culture. So whether it applies to dating, marriage, I mean, anything in life, to say no to things that maybe you really want, and yet you love Jesus more, is one of the greatest acts of obedience you will ever do in your life. And some people do it daily. They do it daily, right? More than than others. So that, that one is just huge. And... The only way you can really do that is in community and with Jesus, being better, right? He has to be better to you than other things, right? Jonathan Edwards said, he said, it's one thing to know that honey is sweet, and it's another thing to taste its sweetness. And when you taste the sweetness, you just, it, the experience is different than if you just know about it. And that's the way you have to approach Jesus when you talk about relationships. So learning, I like what you're learning to live with unmet desires, which we won't always do well. So that's, that one is huge. That one is huge. Um, number three, uh, there's so much more to say on all these, but I won't. Uh, number three, uh, be intentional in pursuing a relationship. So 
man, I was stunk at this. <laughs> and my wife could tell you that, yep, she would if she got up here. Man, I stuck in every relationship. Just not, clarity, clarity, clarity was not any words that would describe how I pursued women like at all. It was living in the gray zone versus having the courage to say, well, maybe I even wanted, but I was fearful or I was just, I liked what I had without wanting to go to the next level and make it official, which guys can not do. Not cool. <laughs> true, true. It's not, it's not. So I, I'm speaking to guys primarily here, but on both sides, um, having a lack of clarity and unhealthy expectations in relationships will absolutely destroy a relationship because expectations create the context in which you either flourish or you don't. Anything in life is expectations and the degree to which you meet them. This relationship, this job, this city, this thing, uh, but especially when your heart gets involved in the way it does with relationships, like it does few things else. And so I just know that it can be easy to be unclear because you want to hedge your bets or you don't want to be clear or you don't want to define the relationship. And I remember <laughs> with Emily, oh man, we, we were like Jim and Pam on The Office. Like it was just, it's funny for other people, but it's actually really unhealthy, right? That is not a good relationship until it finally, they were like, we need to do this. And that was Emily and I, because we were in a community like this, um, Except ours was only singles. There weren't any married people. So it was even more of a feeding frenzy kind of craziness. That, Get me yeah, yikes, yikes. And uh, I just remember we, we just hung out all the time in groups. And I liked her a lot and she liked me. But then we date other people. But deep down, they kind of keep coming back. And I remember, you know, I just kept, I, I liked her, but I never really said anything. And I kind of let her on. And you don't look at me like that. Like, <laughs> I'm getting better. It was a long time ago. But I just... I struggled, and uh, I remember, probably I'll share this because, I don't know, you guys don't think of me as anything awesome anyway, so I'll just keep that really real. Uh, I remember we had a define the relationship talk in my apartment in Dallas, where I finally was like, all right, you know, did the whole, I'm going to pray about this really deeply and, and just be like, Lord, give me the desires of my heart. I don't think I want to date her. And so we're talking. I go on this long rambling thing, which is usual for me, and I finally go, Emily, Emily, I know you're going to react like, oh, my gosh. So just, I know that, okay? I go, Emily, I like you too much to date you. That's what I said. And I thought that was a pretty good line. I thought, that sounds like I care about you so much, I don't want to date you, and yet I still want to do all the things that are basically dating you without actually dating you, right? Which is so confusing and so unhealthy. And literally the worst. Literally the worst, yeah. Stay tuned for point nine. Okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> you may want to leave, but it's going to be scorched earth on point nine for the boys. Um, so just, just there's a lot more clarity, clarity, clarity on how you, I mean, texting, uh, how much you text, how little you text, uh, what you text, right? Even just silly things as like emojis, right? Because that's the culture that we live in. Where people live and die by, is that a, is, did he wink? Did she wink? What does that mean? I don't know what it means. And it's like one person may be thinking it means a relationship. The other person is like, uh, they're just very flirtatious or, you know, they're not well in the head. That's why they're doing that. But so be wise with your communication. And I always just tell guys or tell, even tell myself, what's your motivation for communicating with this person? And what's your, what's your end goal um, with them? In even just pursuing a relationship, um, 
you know, what's your evaluation process for who you want to be with? Um, how are you sifting through them? And who are the people speaking into your life that are helping you decide whether or not you should date someone or when you start dating someone, whether it's healthy or, or not? You don't, you don't have to know in the first week of a relationship where it's headed, that it's headed to the altar. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be, right? Um, but you need to set expectations when it's actually a first date. Say, this is actually a date. That's what's happening here. This is a date. Or ask her out using or those words. Like, would you out, like to go on a yeah, date Yeah, not, not over text. Do ne- never ask a girl over text message, okay? Actually do it in person, okay? Like you're a man. Like you could speak, okay? Just please, please, for the love. Um, yeah, Amanda will elaborate more on boundaries and clear communication. So number three, be intentional in pursuing a relationship. If you like someone... Don't have to creep them out by saying, I like you. In the first, if you meet someone tonight, don't go up to, I like you. Will you on a date with me? Okay, that would be weird. But if you do like them, at some point, say, hey, I like you, and would you want to go out with me? Here and ends point three, right? So simple. And yet, I think you would speak to not everyone even experiences that level of clarity. But clarity is key. Expectations are key throughout dating relationship and in marriage, too. We'll get more to that later. Uh, Four... Uh, Healthy dating and marriage includes more than two people. Um, Romantic relationships almost always veer towards codependency and isolation, Um, especially the younger you are, but it still stays with you. I mean, my high school relationship was out of control codependent. I mean, my first date with with this girl, I remember we're walking on the green belt in Maryville, my first real date with a girl ever, it was 10th grade. And I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. And she sits down on the bench, and she's like, yeah, i got to tell you something serious. You know? And I'm like, oh, okay. She's like, I'm kind of walking through some hard things and you know, just really some rough stuff, and I really need you to be there you know, for me. And I remember thinking, I was like, I was like, perfect. I can, I can be her knight in shining armor. Like, I can, be, I can be the one for her. Like, she's going through hard things. She is going to look to me to provide for her to be Jesus to her, right? Because I can just be the one that provides for her, which is so codependent, right? So unhealthy. Not wrong to care. Wrong when you're caring because it makes you feel great or feel important, and it's actually really manipulative. And that ended up being a huge part of that relationship was just we exist. I remember it just became more and more isolating where we weren't in community. We weren't with other people. And so if you are in a relationship where you're hiding things from people you choose that you're closest to, then you need to ask questions about that relationship. If you can't be honest with at least one other person about what's going on, then you might not need to be in that relationship. But it can be easier to hide and be with someone else and then remove yourselves from healthy community. And that's never, never, never uh, a good thing. Uh, In dating especially, but even in marriage, when you just kind of do your own life and are no longer in community... Because the longer you're outside of community, the longer you're going to keep being outside of community. You have to work at community. Right? It's not easy. It doesn't come naturally. And so that, that's been, I think, huge, having friends that are willing to speak the truth to you. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. So actually listening to advice and accepting discipline. I dated a girl in college for like two months, and it was two months too long. And just should not have, should not have dated her at all. And I remember my best friend, Dave, uh, we were in our dorm room one night. And we hadn't really been talking too much because I sensed that he disapproved, but he hadn't said anything. 
You know, you've been that friend, maybe you've had that friend be that person to you where you're like, I know they don't like her, but she's my everything, right? Or whatever. In that voice. In that voice. (laughs) That's how 19-year-old guys talk. And I remember he just looked at me and he put, I remember my desk was here and his desk was where that like computer is or that TV is just facing this way. And it's probably like nine o'clock at night and we just weren't talking for like an hour, which is not uncommon for guys. It can actually be very normal and things could be totally fine with that. And yeah, I could just tell there was tension. And he, he stops from his computer and he looks at me and he goes, RD, and this is his quote. So I'm going to use not the best word, but it's for the quote, okay? He just goes, RD, and the way he said my voice, I was like, oh no, we're going to have that conversation. He goes, he goes, RD, what the hell are you doing? And the way he said it, in that moment, I thought, man, what am I doing? You know, what what am I doing? I shouldn't be with her. And he said, man, I love you, but you shouldn't be with this girl. You know it. You know you you shouldn't be with her. Two months, it's whatever. But what if it keeps going? Like, you know you shouldn't be with her. We had like a two-hour conversation, and things. we had some robust dialogue, which is good. Um, but man, the next day I broke up with her because Dave had the courage to say, Hey, I'm just going to say this to you because this is not right. Cause I know you, and this is not going to be good for either of you. And so you need to be a friend like that. And you need to have friends like that who can say to you, either encourage a relationship or say, Hey, man, you don't have to do this, but just listen to me. And if you have no one in your life, cause you're so isolated from that, or you're so defensive about your relationship, it's signs that this relationship's an idol, right? Anytime you're defensive about anything, it's a sign that something has gone wrong. So more than two people being involved will save you a lot of pain, a lot of pain. Um, Who's speaking in your relationship, and are they the right people to do that? Okay, number five. Number five also has to do with friendship a little bit, actually, Um, and that is learning to love people in different seasons of life than you. Um, Yeah. Marriage will change things. People having kids will definitely change things. Yes. Even just a friend starting a new relationship can change things. Um, I remember when I was 21, 22, my first, like, best friends were getting married. And, man, n- no one handled that well in that situation, in that time <laughs> of my life. Yep. Um, and, I mean, I totally understand the engagement process and how... Much of that goes towards wedding planning, marriage counseling, preparing for the marriage, how the beginning of the marriage is the honeymoon phase. I get that. And I really think that it's very important for them to, for people to bond and create that bond. But I was really guilty of not giving them any grace in that transition period. (laughs) Like, I expected that they would have the same time and margin for me that they did before. And I was very upset when they did not. And um, so I was resentful and bitter. Imagine that. And yeah, it just didn't go well. And I mean, I honestly, they did, they would probably say, and they have said, we've cleared it up now. There's no bridges burned. Don't worry, everyone. But we're not like close friends anymore. That is not a thing anymore. But we both said like, we didn't handle that well. And so now I've grown from that several years removed from being 21. And most of my friends now are married. So shout out to you guys. But um they're my best friends. And if I didn't lo- learn to love and serve them where they're at, then we wouldn't be friends. And that would be sad. And so just like some things are learning to have a dialogue with people about it. Like, don't be afraid to have like an awkward conversation. Like what, 
Yeah, this is exciting time for you. Like, how do you think our expectations should be for our friendship going forward? Like, what, what do you need from me? What, um, what do you want? Just ask them how you can love and serve them well. And then two, don't be afraid to speak up if you have been hurt. Like, a lot of times we get really passive or passive aggressive about just not admitting that somebody's hurt our feelings. And then it goes on so long that you just can't. And you're like, actually, now I just hate you. So don't let it get to that point. Um, And yeah, think of ways to love other people. Like love your friends with kids. um, And that may look different than going out for dinner and drinks on a Friday night. It might look more like coming over during nap time and helping with the dishes while you have that heart to heart. And that's okay. And you're just going to have to like learn and grow. Loving your single friends might look like reaching out to them because they might not have anybody waiting home for them. You know, so sending him a text, letting him know you're thinking about him. Days like Valentine's Day. Like, think about that, you know, for your single friends, how that would be. And then just learning to embrace their spouses as well. Like, if you guys like to play games together, maybe it'll ruin the relationship, maybe not. But that can be a fun thing to do. So, yeah, learn to um, love your friends in their seasons. And I think it definitely takes a conversation, usually. So, but it's big. Yeah, I can, I just speak to that. It's been um, great for Emily and I just to have different young adults who love our kids who are either single or young marrieds without kids. Great for us, and I think great for them in some way to just have limited time with kids and they get to leave, which could be the best thing. Because <clears throat> you're like, oh my gosh, no way. Or you're like, actually, yeah, this would be great. That's what for Emily and I, we were married for a few years and we were just babysitting kids, and then it was like, that helped being around that, and just actually having the body of Christ together, right? We have a young adult ministry, which is great. It makes me have a job, which I love, but it can be unhealthy when the church becomes so segregated that college, young adult, high school, uh, middle-aged, senior adults, right, we never actually mix together. And so finding ways to do that, I think, is so healthy um, and shows the world, again, that we do life with people, not just people that are just like us, because that's what Christ has called us to. Um, so that is a, that's a really great point. Uh, number six, the deepest relationships face outward and not inward. Um, the best way to grow your relationship with someone is to serve other people and not try and fix your relationship. Uh, my wife and I didn't go on a date for two years, but we saw each other every week at a single service like this and then serving low-income uh, Hispanic kids through a ministry called Hidalgo in South Dallas. And every, I mean, every Tuesday night for two years, she and I, with a few other people, you know, your guys' age, just served together, and I got to see Emily in that way as having a heart for justice and mercy. And that's one of the things that really attracted me to her was that she didn't live for herself. And I remember us having conversations about just the church and these buildings, and when are we going to actually love people, you know, and... That's where I became a pastor and realized there's a bit more to it than just burn the church down. But we still have that just fire. And even with kids, I love what Emily said. He said, I don't want kids to prevent us from being people that live on mission. We want our kids to be a part of it. Um, And so much of self-help out there is that it's self-help. It's you look in the mirror and stare in the mirror long enough and look at your problems long enough and you'll be healed. And the Bible never says that. Right? The Bible says the way to grow is by serving. Because when you get the focus off yourself and onto Christ and others, you actually grow. 
Now, there's seasons in which to focus on yourself, you know, through counseling, through even just personality tests and learning about yourself is healthy and right. But when that's it, <clears throat> then you're just going to hit a ceiling. Um, and so marriages, relationships, um, you want to have a kind of a mission-filled posture and keep that going. Uh, and that'll be different for everybody in the room. But that's been a huge thing <clears throat> that I've loved about our relationship is even now we're praying and asking God, what, how can we serve, how can we give? Um, so it doesn't become the American dream as us with two kids in a house in West Knoxville, and that's it. Because if that's it, then, oh dear, <laughs> right? Is there more than that? And keeping that a part of relationship helps Emily and I grow even closer. Uh, and even serving and community with people can be a great way to see more of who they are, their heart. Uh, and so that's huge. Face outward. And then last point on this, the deepest relationships don't just face outward, but they face Jesus. Um, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. Single, married, dating, lonely, filled. Um, whether you're five or whether you're 105, whether you're 22, whether you're 29, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. And everything else that you could ever truly want will be given to you. And so the healthiest relationships have Jesus at the center. Because without Jesus at the center, all you really have is the love that you have for each other. And it's honestly, that's not enough. It's not enough, because you need something deeper than your love and your feelings. I, every couple, I've done like 25 weddings now, and every couple I marry, I kind of hit them with a buzzkill, week one of premarital, and I say, your love is not enough. It is not enough. You need the love of someone who's eternal. And living out of that love will empower you to love this person because you won't be looking to them to be your Jesus because you already have him. Um, yeah, don't let a person bear the weight of all your longing because you'll crush them. You'll crush them. And we do that with people we love. Um, and marriages do that. I can look at my girls or Emily and say, man, fill me, and then they just can't. I have to keep coming back to the well. So face outward, face Jesus. Let him be enough for you. Seven. Number seven. Um, don't waste your waiting. So we all wait for things <coughs> in life. Um, and your first thought might mean that I'm just talking about a significant other, but can definitely apply to that. But obviously, dating people, waiting to be engaged, engaged people excruciatingly waiting for marriage, <laughs> married people waiting to start a family, but, I mean, if there's anything we see in nature, in the Bible, in our own lives, is that God gives us seasons for a reason. And we can see that all around us. Um, there are different times for different purposes. So what you can do in your waiting is stop and take time and ask the Lord, what are you using this season to teach me? And how can I know more of you right now? Yeah. And I just encourage you to ask that if you feel like you're just constantly looking forward to the next thing, like what's next. Instead, be like, what's here? Um, for me, this long season of singleness has been a lot of things for me. And it's been a really life-changing time period. I wouldn't trade it. I've been able to show hospitality really often to people. I get to um, just go wherever I want, do whatever. Like, if somebody calls and needs me, like, I can be there. There's nobody, you know, waiting for me that I have to just, like, check in with. And that's given me a lot of freedom to love people well. And yeah. so instead of just wallowing, I use that to try and love other people. Um, 
I have been able to work hard and pursue new passions. I got to follow some dreams, and a few years ago, I quit a full-time job and went back to school um, to be a hairstylist, which people think is incredibly random. And if I'd had to consult with another person and their budget and their opinion on that, I might not have done it. Like, I might have not made that leap. But I was able to do that, and I... I'm so glad it happened. And then, too, like, it's been a real season for me of growing close to the Lord, which is something he reminds me of often whenever I have seasons of loneliness, that he is all that I need, and another person will not necessarily fulfill that. Um, So, yeah, don't assume or don't live your life just assuming that whenever your next thing happens that you're waiting for, that it's all going to be okay. Work on whatever is happening in the meantime. Mm. Be where you are. Yeah, that's good. Um, eight, last couple here. Um, actually, David, could you grab that water in a cup and just fill it up and bring it to me? Because I'm coming off of a cold and my voice is scratchy and I'm going to cough through the last three. Sorry to everyone on the podcast for that. Yeah, sorry for this awkward interlude. You shouldn't be texting and driving anyway or listening. Okay. Thank you, sir. What a servant. What a servant. Ah, for the podcast. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Uh, number eight, embrace, embrace the messy. Uh, relationship, this is not rocket science. Uh, relationships are messy. Why? Because people are messy. You've heard it said before, if you're looking for the perfect person or the perfect relationship or the perfect church, you're going to keep looking. Because that does not exist. It does not exist in real life. People are going to disappoint you and let you down. People you love, people you think they never would. This is the greatest guy, and he loves Jesus, and he's the man. And oh my gosh, why is he not with me? And now he's dating someone else, and I hate all things, right? (laughs) Or reverse it, or something like that. And you just think, this just, you know, forget all of this. It's messy, and it's hard. Um... And it can make you bitter. And bitterness is not a fruit of the spirit. Though, I mean, it's a fruit of the flesh. But it's not a fruit of the spirit. It doesn't mean that you don't lament or get angry sometimes or you want to throw darts at someone's picture. That is all well and good. But then you have to move on and stay healthy and stay whole. Um... It's messy. I I see so many people that live in fear from their past. Um, They live in, they live in, they live, what did I write? Don't live in fear. Don't live in fear. Don't live in lies and don't live in your past. Uh, Because those things will just crush you, especially as it comes to relationships. Uh, All of us, we do premarital. I say every relationship you've had and your parents' relationships is coming into this relationship. So get excited. Uh, the past lives in you, even if you've tried to dismiss it. But it doesn't mean that God's not redeeming all those things. And year by year, he redeems it and shows you more of how he's been gracious throughout your whole life. But just it's messy, and it's hard, and it's difficult. Your heart's going to be broken. You're going to cry. You're going to wonder what happened. Um, and that's part of it. That's part of God growing you. I was a week, two weeks away from asking a girl to marry me, and she broke up with me. And it was not fun at all. 
and it was rough. And I remember I wanted to go live in the woods in Montana, in Montana. And I was like, I'm just going to get away. Girls are the worst. Relationships are the worst. Like, it's all the worst. I'm just going to go be that guy that writes a book and finds himself in Montana because those are the cool guys. But you and hate was, camping. What? You hate camping. I do hate though. camping. I hadn't thought through it fully. I was hurt. All right? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I, I was hurt. That's true. It was, it was more the idea of it. And I remember I called one of my friends, and he was like, you know what, you know what, R.D., you can go, go find yourself on the Appalachian Trail, whatever you want to do, or you could actually put some roots down and get more involved in your community that you're in, in your church that you're in, and spend more time with Jesus than just run away from this and actually facing it. I remember being like, okay, thank you for that. Thanks for that phone call. <laughs> and yet over and over again, I've come back to that where he just said, don't run. Right, face, face the hard things, embrace, embrace the messy, and the Lord, he, the Lord's always there with you through every relationship. Uh, he's just always there. I mean, as a pastor now, I've seen, it, it's not fun or funny when dating relationships break up, but it is really not funny when marriages break up. And the thing that's worse than, if you feel like singleness is, is, is bad, then being married to the person you never should have married is worse. And I know people, I'm 31, and I know people younger than me that are already divorced. And it absolutely just, it just breaks, it just breaks me. And there's so many things that in their life they are never dealing with. And so they're never going to be healed. And it just breaks these things up. And the enemy wants to absolutely destroy your relationships and what he goes after more than anything else right, is romance and sex. That's what he's gone after since the very beginning. And that's why you just got to guard your heart so much. So embrace the messy. Don't run away from it. And remember, God's always with you through it. No matter what the mess is that you make, right, God's grace is greater. Or that the mess that someone makes towards you, how they hurt you, God's greater than, than that. Okay, last, last two. So the last two, I asked Amanda and I asked myself <laughs> to... Uh, um, yes, to just say, hey, if you had one thing you could tell the guys, what would it be, Amanda? And she gave me like nine things, I, right? I had a long I list. was like, well, let, <laughs> let's just pick one, okay? Wow, wow. And this is what you picked, so you're to blame. I did pick this one. Like they, they were all great. You could maybe download with her after, but this one I thought was so important. I'll write my own podcast then, or have my own podcast. And then it. I did one for me to gals as well, so we'll finish with these two. Yeah, so what I would say to guys and it does apply more to single guys, sorry. But um, don't use a sister in Christ as a placeholder until you find your spouse. Um, so, yeah. And I think that this is a uniquely, like, Christian circle issue because it doesn't exist too often outside the church. But dating in a Christian culture looks a lot different than, like, society as a whole. We try and be really great about it, blah, blah, blah. But... To take a leap and pursue another person, like, in this room, let alone, like, in your own life group, is a risk because you, people are going to talk because they're really annoying and they'll do that, and the pressure's going to be on, and people are going to be like, do you think you're going to marry her? I get that. There's a lot of pressure and stress, so it's really hard to just be like, do I actually want to ask this person out and deal with all that or no? Like, (laughs) uh. And what I see happen so often is that... The same people, myself included, we also don't want to be alone. So what we do is we 
use each other to be like an emotional fulfillment in the absence of a spouse. And it's not healthy. Um, It starts slow. And a lot of times if you're like, is that me? It's you if you are sharing more things with that person than you are with most people. If you need them to be there for you. If um, you are telling them more things, if you tell them things that you don't tell your other guy friends, Mm -hmm. like, "Mm, do you text them every day? Eh." Like, okay, you've got yourself a girlfriend, but you just don't have the commitment or the title. You haven't given her that. And hopefully you don't have the physical part or then you're really fooling yourselves. Um, So, yeah, they're unhealthy. And I know that I said earlier, I have been single for a very long time. But I found myself being this person way too often. And it is not fun. Like, it still eventually ends because you cannot be that person for them when they do find their spouse. So usually either one person develops feelings for the other, and then it gets really messy. We'll go back to embrace the messy, except you've chosen not to embrace it. It's just there. And then also... You, like at some point, somebody's going to find somebody they really want to date. And then it's going to feel like you got broken up with. And yet you never even had a relationship to start with. So, guys, you do have a lot of power in how you do the DTR and you kind of set some guidelines. We women allow you to do this. So I'm not taking us out of the blame. It happens because both parties are involved. But... It shouldn't happen. And then two, and I mean, I'm speaking to myself as well, but to the couples in the room who are already married and you're like, this doesn't apply to me. It does. Because how much weight do we take from our friends when they speak into our lives? So if you are a married guy sitting there and you're like, yeah, I see my single friends doing this all the time. Tell them, don't just be silent. Like they're hurting another female. Help them out. So that's my soapbox. I have six more points for that. (laughs) Yeah. And they'll be on the after hours of the podcast. That one will be... X-rated. X. No, I don't think... (laughs) PG-13. I don't... I hope not. (laughs) He just jumped straight from, like, PG to X. I I thought you were going to say, like, PG-13, like, 1 Corinthians coming up. You're the one who cursed. Yeah, you went straight there. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, I totally agree with that, uh, how... Actually, I'm talking this Sunday to the high school ministry about biblical manhood, and one of my points is going to be about how men uh, use power in relationships and just in life, and so that's a huge one. Uh, we have a lot of power. Power is not a bad thing. Jesus had all the power in the world, yet he was very humble and used his power for the sake of others. I would just add, were you talking about just <clears throat> who are you texting, and is it more than your you know, other people, just to marry people in the room, um, you know, especially guys, I've seen affairs happen this way, bad things happen this way, when you start to confide in other people in ways that you don't with your spouse. Um, it's just so unhealthy. Right? So unhealthy. Uh, and one other just pet peeve of mine that I'll just share with everyone here that is just, just came to mind. The Holy Spirit just it. put this on me. So um, never, ever, ever speak badly about your partner in public. Ever. Ever. There's, there's never an excuse for it. And I've done it a couple times in even just some small ways, nothing major, and just crushing. But I just, we, I knew a couple back in Wisconsin where we lived, and man, it was just relentless from one to the other, just in public. 
just the ridicule and just not aware, right? And even, even just small things. Oh, he never does this. You know how he is. You know how she is, right? Do not do it, right? Every time, especially in public, always building each other up, encouraging each other, especially brag on your spouse, your significant other in front of other people. Important, because actually most people don't really do it. It's, it's just easier and more fun to make fun of somebody or belittle them, right? So you get a laugh, but never do it. Right, never do. That's something I've learned the hard way a little bit. And one of the first things that I remember Emily just said to me, she was like, never, ever do that again. Uh, and so now through me learning the hard way, and I know some of you maybe do it, and um, I just encourage you uh, not to. Okay, last, last one, number 10, and we, then we're done. My thing to gals, I actually did two things, Amanda, so I know. He didn't let me. I That's know. Rude. Such I a had, man thing I, to do. I, I, <laughs> Yes, that's true. <laughs> I confess it is. Um, num- <laughs> number one is uh, to, to the gals is uh, don't compromise who you are or the pursuit of holiness God's calling you to for any guy or for any relationship. Relationships, I'm not a, I'm not, we're not anti-relationship people. I'm not that Christian pastor who's like, you just kiss dating goodbye, and it's awful and terrible and just core. Like, that's not me at all. Like, I believe in it. We like, told them to ask people out. Yeah, so. we have. Ask people out. That's healthy and good. But um, I think sometimes it can feel like I really want some things in my life, and so I'm going to be in this relationship even though maybe I shouldn't be. And yet, what is that preventing you from God doing in your life? So don't compromise who you are for a guy. Um, unless God is asking to be in that relationship and God's calling you to something, whatever it might be, then God will provide the person for you in that. Even if it means maybe you have to wait longer, which Amanda talked about. Don't waste the waiting. And last thing I'll say is this. Uh, I just added this actually this afternoon uh, is for, for, for both, but especially for, for women. Um, pray and call out in men for men to become the men that God's called them to be and raise them up to be. We live in a culture in which men, by many things that we've done, have broken things. And you can just see that. And yet we also have a culture now where men need um, women to call out who they can be in Christ. And one of the greatest things that Emily ever does for me is to just encourage me. This is, this is who you are. This is who you can be. Um, because, you know, guys, we put on a tough face, but we have a lot of fear as men that we're not enough, that we're not strong enough, that we're not great enough, that we're not good enough. We just have a lot of fear that just lives right underneath the surface of all of our bravado and all of our grandiose and the words of a wife or even just a female friend to just say, hey, the way that you just modeled that or did that or served that, that was just really, man, that was really encouraging. That's who God wants men to be, and thank you. Um, probably one of the most neglected commands in all the scriptures is just to encourage people. Yeah, it's so important. It's so important. So for guys to not just say, hey, great job, but to say, this is what God's calling you to do, and I want to bring that out in you by encouraging you, and by praying for the men 
Because I know oftentimes we joke that women are, you know, they're here and guys are maybe down here in terms of how they develop. And so many of that is, so much that is true. And yet it can go again too far where are you praying for men in your life, whether or not you're ever going to date them. Um, but society, honestly, um, society and churches, they rise and fall on the degree to which men are, are living and serving and leading sacrificially. And we can't do it alone, right? That's why, as I heard Jen Wilkins say in one of her talks, she said, God doesn't give Adam, what'd she say? She said, God doesn't give Adam an elder board in the garden. He gives him a woman. Right. Amen. Because we're partners together. And we need you as the family of God, as sisters, and to grow in that. That's a whole other topic we'll do at a later time on just friendships. Uh, but that's not tonight's topic. So pray and call out in men who they can be. And pray they become that. And then everything else will flourish outside of that. Okay. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. Where's Sandy? Sandy, where'd you go? Come on up here. So uh, I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to have, maybe many of you give the mic to Sandy. Uh, and we're going to let her share a bit about she's, yeah, I know. I just asked her if she'd do this. So like we prayed for the team going to Mexico back in the, uh, the fall, uh, Sandy's going to go on a, uh, I'll let her explain uh, after I pray. And then we're just going to pray for what God's calling her to do. And you may not know Sandy, but I'd love to have a culture where when people are stepping out in faith, we're just praying for them, whether we know them or not. So I'm going to pray and this time, and then she's going to share. Uh, and then I'm going to pray for her. And after that, well, Mark, you guys can come up if you want now. Um, and uh, then we'll just finish the last part of the night, okay? Father, um, thanks for uh, just, I know that was a lot. I know that it was a lot. And I just pray that maybe there were a few things that could be gleaned from there, Lord. Uh, and over it all, I just pray that you would encourage all of us to be men and women who love you, who pursue you, who flee from sin, and who learn to look to you first. Because if we look to you first, Lord, everything else will fall in place. So I pray for everyone here. We all have baggage and heartbreak and pain and fear. And I pray that your healing hands would just wash over those things, Lord. We trust you with our lives, with our singleness, with our dating, with our marriage, with our parenting. We trust you, Lord. Help us trust you more. Would you increase and we decrease, Lord? More of you, less of us. So, Father, we love you, and we're grateful that you love us, and your love is not like our love. It never stops. It's never ending. It's not built on how we perform. It's built on your performance in your son, Christ. And in him, we can rest. Um, so we love you. In your son's name, we pray. And everybody said, amen.